Well, we are now seven or eight chocolates into Advent, depending on whether you've had one today. Um, and we're going to continue the thinking about some of the Advent themes that Becky Stevens started to look at last week with us. So Advent, traditionally, it's a time when we're looking forward to the birth of Jesus, but also it's a time where his church thinks about his second coming. Um, when Jesus, we're looking forward to Jesus coming back, um, this time for final judgment and the end of the age and um, to see the kingdom of God come in all of its fullness. At the moment, we see this now but not yet kingdom, which has come already in Christ's life and death and resurrection, which has ushered in a new age. Um, and in this age, his rule and reign have arrived here on the earth. But it's still, like we say, it's still this now and not yet kingdom that we see. It's still a time where, yes, Jesus is king, but also the prince of darkness rules and causes havoc on the earth. So although Jesus' future coming is talked about in the Bible a lot, um, it's in very... Um, mystical language, often very symbolic, um, what they call apocalyptic and highly mystical. And it's open to many ways of interpretation. So this morning, we're not going to think so much about Jesus' second coming, although we know that is something that's going to happen. But we're going to think about what it means to think about Jesus as king now, this now and not yet kingdom, which we can already be a part of on the earth. And we're going to think about what it means for us that Jesus is king, what it means for us personally, what it means for our sense of justice as well, because the king is the one who makes things fair in his kingdom. And then we're going to also think about how that affects the way that we live. We need to think about this kind of question at the moment because we've got the election coming up next week, of course, and we have to decide who we are going to vote for. Um, for most of us, we're a little bit bemused because when we actually look at the choices we have, um, perhaps we think that there are more reasons why we shouldn't vote for people than that we should. And so it's a difficult thing, isn't it? Because um, we don't know who to trust, we don't know who to believe, um, and... We've seen some things working, we've seen things, a lot of things not working. And so we have to use our wisdom and go with our gut feeling about what is best for our country. Of course, we don't just vote for the party that will benefit us personally or our closest friends. Um, but we have to do our best to choose who we feel is going to benefit our town, our nation and our planet. So... That is a personal thing. We can't say this is what we should do, or we can't say that the Bible tells us that we should vote in a particular way. Um, however, the Bible does tell us what good leadership looks like, and it also regularly shows us what bad leadership looks like. So, reading the Bible, um, we can see what God's wisdom is like, and we can think about leadership, and that will help us to discern what we should do, how we should vote. We're going to look at some passages from the Gospel of Luke, starting with 
when the angel Gabriel came to Mary. And we're going to see how Mary responds to this announcement about Jesus as king. And this announcement interrupts her life one day. The angel says to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So there's Mary going about her everyday tasks, and this happens to her. Before we look at how she responds, let's think about this visitation that she had. Um, And I think it's really fair to say that it was an interruption of her life or an invasion of her life. Um, And if you think about it, the Christmas story is riddled with interruptions and invasions of this good news which is happening um, because Jesus, God with us, is coming to the earth. So for Mary, um, Jesus coming into this world completely, revolutionarily changes her life. And what she has to do is respond well to God. It's not a question of her right to choose or her preference for one political party over another. But for her, it's about knowing the privilege of being chosen by God, the ultimate king and ruler of the universe. And it was also about faith in the promise of what she'd heard, because it was going to be a long time before she actually experienced Jesus being at God's right hand, exalted as king over the earth. So that promise came way before the actuality of it started to happen, more when she perhaps um, knew Jesus as the size of a grain of rice in her womb. Um, We used to call our grandson Baz because he was the size of a piece of basmati rice. (laughs) Um, So this announcement changes Mary's life, and not hers only, but the whole course of human history. We went to the theatre this week, uh, which was very nice, and we watched a play which was about... What happened to some of the aircraft crews that were diverted during the 9-11 attacks? And it got me thinking and and remembering what happened on that day, uh, the 11th of September 2001, when the first plane hit the first twin tower at 8.45 New York time and 1.45 British time. I wonder how many of us in this room remember where they were, where you were when this happened Um, I was in our home in Windsor and I remember walking into the lounge uh, where my son was sitting on the sofa and we were both watching the news and we saw what was happening on the TV. It was one of those things that was impossible, almost impossible to believe, even although you were seeing it with your own eyes. Um, After that, I had to go and get my daughter from school and it was a short drive away and there was something in the pit of my stomach that knew that nothing was going to be the same again um, after this day. 
Um, and when I arrived at my daughter's school, I met a friend who started talking to me about her problems and um, the difficulties that she was going through in her life. Um, and I was feeling really numb and not really knowing how to respond to her. But I just, I just said, have you, have you seen the news? And she said, no, I haven't. And I tried to tell her, but it was like she wasn't really listening and she wasn't really thinking how serious it was. And although her problems did matter, they kind of faded a little bit into insignificance because of what was happening at that moment. Obviously, this was an interruption of bad news, um, and so are many, many declarations of news that we hear um, around the world, stories of terrorism, war, earthquakes, fires, famines that are happening all the time. And it's because I'm Western and live where I do that this story particularly is the one that I relate to as being a very, very significant day. And also because I went to the theatre and thought about it again this week. Um, but it's interesting that when something world-changing happens, you can't stop talking about it, even although others may not know or even acknowledge it. It's still true, isn't it? Um, and how we communicate the news that we know is true is important. Um, and it's important that we know that what we believe is true, even if perhaps the people around us don't realise that it is. So Mary, let's go back to Mary. She was hearing good news. It was news that was going to change her life forever. And later on, of course, it was going to change the world forever but from now onwards, her life was going to be literally no longer her own. How must she have felt when she had to go back to normality and to have conversations with family and friends who had no idea of the implications of what was about to happen in her life? So let's have a look at her personal response to God. She said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Then she goes on to talk about her people and also how she longs to see God's justice come to earth. For the humble and the hungry to be lifted up and the arrogant and the mighty to be brought down. Her dream was for a fairer world. She says, His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. So we know that Mary faithfully and wonderfully sees through her pregnancy with all the shame and difficulty of being misunderstood that that included for her. So she responds personally by recognising God and wanting his justice to invade the injustice of the world in which she lived. 
She responds by literally living for and devoting herself to that cause. That was going to be her life now forever. As we approach Christmas, thinking about what a good leader should look like and being bombarded by all the commercialization of Christmas, let's think about what it means for us that Jesus is King. What does that announcement mean for us? How do we respond personally? Have we ever, and do we every day, say yes to Jesus? If we haven't and we want to today, then please come forward and get someone to pray with you and agree with you that that's how you want to go forwards in your life. But then not just that personal response, like Mary, how are we thinking about the injustice in the world and how that matters to us? Because if we're saying yes to Jesus, we're saying yes to his love for the world as well. Yes to his justice and his kindness. You know, every, every king that's written about in Scripture is shown to be human. No matter how good a king they were, there were things that they did that were taking advantage of their power over people, they were selfish, and all of those things that they did affected people badly. Even King David, who's upheld as the champion king in the Bible, and the one who... Um, God promises is going to, that the Messiah is going to be like. Even King David um, had massive uh, human failings. So it wasn't about him being perfect, but it was looking forward to this king who would actually really represent God. The kings were meant to represent God. That was their role. It wasn't to be God to the people. It was to represent God to the people. And of course, Jesus is the only human who has lived in a way that he represented God without any selfishness or power for himself. He laid that down. When the Apostle Paul writes to the churches, he uses the term Christ to refer to Jesus as the Messiah. And he continually talks about how the role of Jesus in the world um, completely changes how we see everything and how the church should live and how we should live as individuals. Um, it, Jesus is that long-awaited king that is promised in the Old Testament um, time and time again who is going to come and rescue God's people from their enemies and from their oppressors. And very often people have a problem about the the way of this, this terminology works in the Bible. And it is very difficult to communicate because sometimes it's not helpful to have a language of enemies. And we have to be able to explain that as God's people in a way which um, does justice to God's love and his love for everyone and his kindness and um, his grace. Um, so an us and them mentality is not helpful. It's not helpful for us just to see Jesus as the king who's going to come and sort out our problems, whether that's us as a group or us as individuals. Um, so we need to think carefully about how we view our enemies. You know, it's not um, the party that we don't vote for or the people that we don't consider ourselves to be like. Um, 
And yet there is real evil, and it's not just an abstract term, because there are real enemies in the world. And there are people who want to harm others. And a good leader will look out for who those enemies are and the potential of harm that can come from different people. So we are not um, God's people who represent a Christian party or a non-Christian party, uh, because as God's people, we want to represent God's kingdom of peace and righteousness, justice, kindness, goodness, self-control, all those things that the Holy Spirit brings. And this kingdom, in all of its fullness, breaks into the normality of the world, all into all the places of the world. Um, everywhere, the kingdom of God can break in. And it's believing that Jesus is king over the whole earth and we are part of what Jesus is doing in the whole earth as his people. I was speaking to someone recently who told me a story about someone they'd been working with, um, someone who was an alcoholic on a program of recovery. And this person had to have regular checks, as did everyone in this organisation, um, to show that they weren't abusing the program. So they had to be breathalyzed. And one day, um, this 60-year-old man was breathalyzed, and um, the breathalyzer recorded a high figure, which meant that he had to be told that he could no longer continue in the program. They informed him and effectively cast him out uh, to a pretty hopeless um, situation. It, this had kind of been like his last chance of going anywhere or survival, really, in, in, in this world. Now, just before he'd got his stuff together and um, gone, someone realised that the, read the reason that the reading was high was because they'd used a hand sanitizer before the person took the test. And it was that that had caused the high reading. So this 60-year-old man who'd suffered years of abuse and then subjected himself to years of addiction knew um, what it was like to have enemies. And the day that he was told that he had to leave, he cried like a baby. And even when he was told that there'd been a mistake, the news itself had nearly finished him. Um, but they were able to uh, uh, assure him that they were still going to work with him and that it was going to be okay. And he was obviously pleased, but he had gone through yet another round of rejection and dejection and feeling like a failure, feeling like yet again um, the world was against him. He'd been given another death sentence. And he said to his caseworker, I thought that they really had me that time meaning his enemies. Um, there are real evil powers that dog people's lives. Life isn't fair. And when injustice sets in, it escalates out of all proportion towards death. That is the way that the world is geared because the prince of death is still here. So as we work together for Christ and his kingdom, we find ourselves in situations where we're able to bring God's justice or fairness into everyday situations. 
You may work as doctors or nurses or therapists or solicitors or carers or social workers or mothers or fathers or volunteers in different places or numerous other roles where you can consciously ask the Holy Spirit to help you in your responsibility towards the people that you serve. Just to finish, I want us to read um, some of Paul's letter to the Ephesians where it talks about Jesus Christ as our King. And it's actually um, a passage that we read when we do dedications. Um, So I want us to think about how wonderfully big God's heart is for the world and how much he wants us to have that heart for the world as well. Let's look at Ephesians 1, 18 to 23. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So here we have Christ as king of the whole world, way above all the powers and authorities, all those death wishes over people around us. And he's praying that the people in the church of Ephesus would understand how high in the heavens and how low, right down to the hellish realms, God's love and God's rule is. And as God's people, he wants us to rule with him and bring that justice that Mary talked about when she responded to God, for the humble and the hungry to be lifted up and the arrogant and the mighty to be brought down. We need to listen carefully to what is being promised by the leaders who we're going to vote for, for example. We need to have wisdom and discernments, and we, but we need to be the people of God as well. Um, so let's vote in faith this week um, that God can and will work through the people that come into power and continue to pray for the leadership of our country. In the meantime, we share the rule of God in this world. That is our inheritance in the saints. We're part of his family. We're part of a new political party. It's called the In Christ Party, but please don't start it. (laughs) And it seeks the good of all. It seeks justice. It seeks to bring down the powers that would harm people. And he makes us part of his body, the church, and he makes us part of his story. So Jesus' death and resurrection and exaltation over his enemies enables him to give good gifts to his people that produce harmony, peace, and moral growth within the world. Let's be people that see the love of God and the peace of God through reconciliation and not through war. Um, 
And let's be bold about how we come against those powers in the way that we pray, in the way that we live, in the way that we respond to God. If we could have the band um, back, that would be wonderful. And if you can, if you'd like to stand together, and we're just going to respond to God now and think about those three ways of responding to Jesus as king. Have you responded to him personally in your heart? Have you thought about how that response affects how you understand justice and how are you going to live your life?